Hey everybody, Michael June here with Game Changers for Government Contractors, and I have Connor here with me today. Connor, before we hop in and talk all things marketing, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Thanks, Mike. My name is Connor Eckhart. I am the Vice President of Digital Marketing at Focused Image. Focused Image is a branding, marketing, and public relations firm that really focuses in the government contracting market. About 80% of our portfolio is there. I specialize in all things digital, so social media, search engine, programmatic media buying, direct media buying, anything like that would fall into my wheelhouse. Awesome. Well, cool. Today, we're going to be talking about marketing, and I don't know that you know this about me, but it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. You know, I love talking, whether it is social media, whether it is digital, regardless of what it, whatever it is, I like talking about marketing and marketing strategies. And more importantly, I think a lot of people in the GovCon space don't like talking about. So I think it's something necessary because when I got into GovCon space 20 plus years ago, there was really only like two ways you marketed your business. One was the old fashioned way where you went to conferences, you had a booth, that sort of thing. And so you did that. And then the other one was to me, like the biggest scam in the market where you buy an ad in like CIO magazine or something like that. Right. And at the time, you know, 20 something years ago, people weren't thinking about landing pages and calls to action and all those kind of things or white papers. It was just an ad that said, we do the best IT work in the <laughs> nation and we're a small business, whatever. And that's why you should buy from us. It was the worst ads ever. And they were like five, 10 grand. And they'd come out in the CIO magazine that would go on the coffee tables of some of these CIOs and no one would ever open it. You'd never get a phone call, right? I think marketing kind of got a bad rap for a lot of years, just being like, there weren't a lot of options 20 something years ago. And now there's all these options, but people are like, does that really work for GovCon? And like, how do you do it? It doesn't make sense to a lot of people. This is just a really good topic today for us to talk about. So why don't we kick it off by you telling us maybe some of the trends that you're seeing government contractors use to leverage marketing to actually win work. Sure. So when we started the digital arm at Focused Image about eight years ago, we were already seeing a shift in adoption of using platforms like LinkedIn to reach out to people, whether it was more of an organic play or a paid play. We slowly saw that start to increase, but with the onset of the pandemic and everyone going remote, there was this big push of, we still need to talk to people, but we don't know how to talk to them anymore. And it created this big opening in digital marketing for us. One of the beautiful things about digital marketing is it's all data-driven and it's very dynamic in nature as well. So in the past, if you did that CIO magazine ad, you put it out there, but let's say you realized after you submitted the creative that maybe something didn't resonate with you or you know there was something that you didn't like, you were stuck with it. But with digital, that's not at all how it works. We can stop on a dime, we can change out pieces of creative, and it's very metric-driven. So we can see what's working and what's not. We're very big proponents of the LinkedIn platform at Focused Image, mainly because of two reasons, the targeting and the reporting that it gives us. So for a LinkedIn campaign, if we're doing a paid LinkedIn campaign, we're able to lock in on exactly who we want to talk to. We're able to target agencies. We're able to target the people within those agencies by their job titles, the degrees that they have, the skills that they're endorsed in online, the content that they engage with on the platform, and create a real strong profile of exactly who we want to talk to. And then as we roll these ads out, we're able to see metrics on how they're engaging with them. So those kinds of campaigns have really pushed a lot of things forward. It's really shown value to a lot of our clients, whether they're doing it as a brand play, they're looking to potentially bid on a contract. 
in an agency that they haven't done any work for in the past and they want to create some awareness there, they could start with just doing general awareness. Hey, this is who we are. This is what we've done. And this is the success we've had doing that kind of work and make it very relevant to the audience that we're trying to talk to. And again, it's all reinforced by metrics. We can really see what's working and what's not. Another big trend that we've seen lately, this is probably more in the last three to four years, is content-driven strategy as well. It's not just putting out, like you said, an advertisement that's, oh, we're the best in the world at what we do, but it's really creating a campaign that integrates pieces of tangible content that are relevant to the audience. So if that's a case study, a white paper, a blog, whatever it is, we are able to kind of create a funnel approach to what we're doing. It's mainly based off of engagement-based remarketing is what we do. So let's say we want to go after a specific agency and we know that the client wants to promote their cloud capability with them, but they have no reputation within the agency. They haven't done any work there. This is their first time trying to work with them. Maybe we start for the first 30 days by kind of doing that CIO thing, but a little bit more tactful and a little bit more targeted. And we create awareness for the brand, you know, who they are, what they've done, the success that they've had. And based off of who engages with it, we can create engagement-based remarketing. So if someone clicks on it, if someone visits our landing page, if someone watches a certain percent of a video ad that we put out, we can qualify that as someone that's somewhat interested in the content that we're putting in front of them. And we already know that we're talking to the right people through the targeting. After they've done that initial engagement in that brand awareness phase, we're able to continue to show them more and more tangible and relevant content, whether it's case studies, whether it's white papers. And we can see if they're downloading them, if they're reading the full thing, if they're going to landing pages, how long they're on the landing page, what they're looking at, what buttons they're clicking on, and really create an informed decision, informed campaign based off those metrics. I like that. And you said it kind of fast. So I'm going to reemphasize this because this is the word that I want people to hear is the remarketing. Sometimes we say retargeting, remarketing of continually showing those people that show interest your stuff, whatever your stuff is. And I think that's where the power in this marketing comes from because it's all about the follow-up and continually showing those people versus what I think most people do today when it comes to whether it's a LinkedIn ad, whether it is a video they just put organically on their social media, is they just put it out there kind of like throwing that big fishing net out in the ocean and just hoping for something instead of going, hey, we've spotted the whale that we want. Now let's tag it and let's follow it around until we get it. That sounds a lot more like what you're doing. Are you also doing any work with the geofencing and things like that? I actually just interviewed somebody a week or so ago, and that was a large part of their business where they were doing kind of like the geofencing. And, and my thought process was, hey, you know, if I go to a conference and I know that if anybody steps within that building for more than 12, 15 hours, they're probably attending that conference then I want to target those phones and things like that. Are you able to do things like that so that I could target the Pentagon. I could target, which sounds interesting. So FBI, if you're listening to that one, it's marketing targeting, right? Could put a fence around those buildings where I know my prospects are or an event center where my prospects are and then serve up ads to maybe start that campaign that way. Is, is that a capability that you do as well? If you're struggling with your government contracting business, I want to encourage you today to go sign up for a free coaching session with me. You can go in the description of this podcast. There's a link to my calendar and you can go pick a time where we can sit down for 30 minutes, talk about what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, what you should change. And then if coaching makes sense for you, I'll actually go over the options on how you can get started with coaching so we can take your business to the next level. Now let's get back into this episode. 
Yeah, it's a platform by platform thing. Not every platform is going to offer that hyper local targeting where we could go down to an address or a zip code and put a radius around it and tag the mobile devices in it. But yeah, it's definitely something we offer and it's a great tool to use at conferences as well. I think the Pentagon would definitely be a hard one to get. I think they're pretty secure when it comes to their kind of I don't know if they'd let us do that, yeah. Yeah. But maybe Uh, the metro station that's there, maybe we could hit the metro station. I don't know. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a great tool. The geofencing, whether you're doing it at a hyper-local, whether you're doing it at a zip code, whether you're doing it at a DMA, that's a big tool that we actually use in recruiting lately. You know, a big push, obviously, the talent market is so spread thin. Everyone is looking for the same talent. A big thing that we've been doing is going and identifying specific hubs within the country Mm. that are for maybe an aerospace client, an aerospace manufacturing hub, a cleared cyber IT hub where we know a lot of contractors and a lot of government employees work and creating advertising campaigns that are geofenced to those specific areas as well. And then, you know, when it comes to contract wins, we can do the same thing if we know where the contracting office is, if we know where the specific influencers within that contract live. Sometimes, you know, our clients send us a list of people and they say, hey, you know, we know we can't just target eight people, but these are the eight people we want to talk to. So we want you to develop an audience around these eight people. And what we do is we go out there and we try and create Mm. the smallest audience possible around those eight people. And we go and we find them online and we look at if they have a LinkedIn profile, where they say they live, what their skills are, what kind of content they're engaging with, what their job titles are. And we can kind of reverse engineer an audience based off of those people and create geofence campaigns to make sure that while we might be talking to 300 people that meet our profile, that one person that we need to talk to is in that audience. Well, that's pretty wild. I love that kind of stuff. I could probably have a conversation about this for hours, this type of stuff. There was an example when you guys reached out to us that you put in there that I thought was really interesting. I think it was a NASA client and how they had won like $150 million contract by followers. Can you kind of describe what that campaign looked like for us? Sure. So that was a really, really interesting one. It was a client who was previously a subcontractor on the contract, and they had a a couple hundred people. I don't know the exact number, but it was a couple hundred people staffed on it. They wanted to bid as the prime for the new release. What the real goal of the campaign was to reinforce, hey, we've been here. We've been the people that are doing the work. You just don't know our brand. Mm. And so we created an integrated marketing campaign where we used, we actually used billboards going into Kennedy Space Center. We used LinkedIn. We used programmatic geofencing. We did Google advertising as well. Pretty much almost anything that we found relevant to this audience, we went ahead and used. And the goal was to, again, create that connection between, hey, you know, we've been here, we've done the work, you just don't know who we are by our Mm. regular name. We've been that subcontractor. And so we did about a 90-day campaign push where the billboard content was always that because it it, it was stable the whole time and never changed out. That kind of had that message on it the whole time. But we started by, you know, reinforcing the brand. This is who we are. This is what we've done. And then we started highlighting specific capabilities that they were leveraging on the current contract that were relevant to it and highlighting that this is the work they've done. We've done it with you, NASA, in the past, and this is how much success we've had on it. Success has many fathers. We're not going to pretend like our marketing campaign was the reason that they won that contract, but we really helped reinforce who they were, what they did, and the success that they had when working with NASA previously. Well, I think even subconsciously, you know, the example I gave the other day on one of our podcasts was I've seen these magicians or hypnotists before where they get in there and they'll say, all right, everybody, there's a piece of paper under your seat. I want you to grab the piece of paper. And when I say something, you're going to draw a photo, right? And they talk for five, 10 minutes and then they draw the little photo or whatever and everybody flips it over and it's the exact same thing, right? 
And in those scenarios, people are like, what did they do in the last five minutes to make us all write the same thing? And the answer is it wasn't in the last five minutes. It was marketing the last 24 hours, even things they put on the marquee outside the building and signs and posters they had in the hallways and all those little subliminal messages so that when the time came for them to respond, they responded the way they wanted. They were programmed to respond in a certain way. So for me, I think when people see it, even if they're not taking action on it immediately, it makes them friendly towards the brand or friendly towards the thought that you are trying to get them to think towards. It plays a really big role and people don't understand the science behind how you can tell somebody's brain something and then they show up and say it or do it. There's several comedians, there's several, you know, magicians that do this stuff. I think Darren Brown is probably one of my favorite ones on YouTube. I don't know if you've ever seen Darren Brown stuff. He's a British guy that does this stuff and he will do some of the wildest things and people will show up and pick exactly what he set out from the beginning. So there's no magic behind it other than just making sure there's a series or a campaign, if you will, of things that they see that ultimately guide their decision. It's mind boggling. I could watch that stuff for hours and stuff. From your perspective, have you found that there are specific artifacts that work better than others, whether it's white papers or downloads, or when you're trying to get the government people to be interested in buying your stuff, they aren't like the B2C consumers where they download a white paper and then next thing they know they're on your website clicking and ordering, right? Like it's just making them friendly. So I'm just kind of curious if maybe from your perspective, there's things that you recommend when you're building a campaign and what that might look like. On the content strategy, I think that's a great question, by the way. There's a couple of different artifacts that can work well. And often what we like to do, if it's possible, is actually create a follow-up from that collateral that we're delivering to them. We like to keep it shorter. We don't want a 10-page paper. No one's going to mm -hmm. read that whole thing from an online advertisement. If it's two to three pages, make sure that there's impactful graphics on it, things along those lines that it won't take 15 minutes to read. That's a key part of it. It has to be not quickly consumable in a minute or two, but still give enough depth but not take a significant amount of time for the user to engage with. Mm. What we like to do if it's anything within that range is actually have the first one or two pages open to read and then actually gate the second and third or fourth page so that they have to submit contact information to go and get them. So they've kind of gotten a little bit of that information and they're like, oh, I want to get a little bit more. And they're like, okay, well, I've got to submit my contact information to get this. Once they do that, we can use that to create an email list for a webinar that's around that topic. You know, they downloaded that piece of content that's relevant to this topic. Why not use it to promote an upcoming webinar where your subject matter experts are now talking about that and it's going further than that white paper or that case study could in that amount of time. So we find a lot of success with that. I'd say case studies are probably the most successful ones that we find from a digital marketing perspective when we're putting it in front of people because it's very tangible. We like to establish our case studies as the problem, the solution, and the value that it brought the end user. So we establish what that problem is. We talk about how our client came in and provided a solution. And then we talk about the value that that solution brought holistically, not just from a technical standpoint, but again, to that end user. And we find a lot of success with that because people can relate to it. They can see themselves in that situation where there could be a similar issue in their agency and they're trying to figure out a way to fix it. And it creates a kind of connection that's really powerful. One of the questions I was going to ask you was about your role in all of this. And as I'm listening to you, it seems like your role is being the experts in how this stuff works. 
knowing when to pull one tool out of the bag versus a different one and, and how to apply it and watching the data. I mean, I hear that through just the conversation here, but I may have missed some things. So tell me a little bit more about your company's role in the overall branding and marketing of all this stuff. So from my department, I would definitely say we're much more technical from the digital marketing side. We look at marketing strategy and things along those lines, what channels to use when. If a client brings us a campaign idea, they're like, hey, you know, we'd like to talk to this specific person. My team's the one that goes and looks at the platforms, whether it's Google looking at keyword searches and trend analysis, whether it's going and developing audiences on LinkedIn, understanding what available inventory there are, if we're going direct purchasing from different publishers and things along that. It's much more on the marketing strategy side. But we have a team of branding professionals that have been in the industry for 30 years. They've done some incredible work over that time. They're the real marketing brains behind the actual content, the way that we position brands and the way that we can help brands develop that message to bring to the market. So from my side, much more technical from the branding side, they're much more in the weeds with the client, getting an mm -hmm. understanding of where their differentiators are, where their value is, and then helping them develop those pieces of content to bring to the market. So if your prospect comes to you and they're not clear on their brand, if they're kind of fuzzy about their messaging, I assume your folks step in and say, hey, let's work through some stuff and figure out what your brand is. For those who are just listening on the podcast, Connor's shaking his head yes on that one. So what if they come to you with a bad idea? Like, hey, I got this really cool idea. And you're like, this is the worst thing I've we try to be as honest as possible. We're pretty straight up when it comes to those kinds of things where we'll be honest where if we hear a bad idea or a bad investment opportunity, we'll be pretty honest. A lot of times we see people bringing us professional sports sponsorship opportunities and we're mm. like, that's cool. It's really cool, but it's really expensive. And right. does anyone know who you are yet? So it's cool right. to get this placement with the commanders or it's cool to get this placement with the capitals. But does anyone know who your brand is and what you stand for? Let's start with that. Let's right. really refine your messaging, who you are, and then let's bring that out to the market with what my department does, a tactical digital approach where we can really see the metrics. We can really see who's engaging with the content and we can push that message out targetedly and cost effective. And once enough people have engaged with that and have an understanding of who you are and what you do, then maybe it's time to look at those opportunities. We try to frame it around, hey, maybe it's not the time to do that now. That's something that we can do down the road. Let's use more cost-effective methods and let's mm -hmm. think a little bit more strategically on how we can approach your end objective of winning new business, acquiring new talent, what some people are positioning themselves for M&A opportunity, whatever that objective mm -hmm. is, developing that strategy, taking it from a cost-effective nature and then scaling it up as things grow. I'm glad you ended with that because the question I was going to ask is listening to you talk about all this, it sounds so sophisticated that a lot of small companies would not be able to play in this game. And so is there a threshold for company size where you're like, look, you probably need to be generating this amount of revenue or be this size in order to play this game and, and use branding or is it really irrelevant? And can you guys create a campaign for the small company that's five or 10 employees and then scale as they grow? Our client portfolio ranges from emerging companies with 10 to 25 people on board to industry giants like Airbus and Parsons. It's different for each. There's no cookie cutter approach, especially as you have a wide range of clients that are differing in size. But the small people can play in this just as well because we're controlling who we talk to. 
there's no wasted spend that you would get in a traditional broadcasting media buy, where if you were to buy, you know, an ad on a, one of the major networks or something like that, there's so much excess reach that you're getting that's really not going to bring you much value. But because what we do is so targeted, we can make it extremely cost effective. So no, there's no size limitation on what we do. That being said, there's definitely a cost associated with everything. For a digital campaign, what we do is we build out an audience and get a real understanding of how big it is and then recommend budgets. Sometimes it's too expensive for some people and that's completely understandable. But now they have a benchmark of, okay, well, when we have those resources, that's something that we can go and do. We don't just shoot a number out. We really go and do our research, understand how big the audience is, get an understanding of what channels we're going to use and what's going to be impactful, and then recommend a minimum budget to say, hey, this is what you would need to be successful. We've run campaigns that were extremely successful at $5,000 for 30 days. And we've also run campaigns that are in the fifty dollars to $60,000 that are extremely successful for 30 days. So there's a pretty broad range of the costs associated with this kind of yeah. stuff. That's great. Is there anything we missed that we didn't touch on today that you want to leave our audience with? I think that you had some great questions and I can really tell that you are a, a fan of marketing. You have a great knowledge base of it. So uh, I don't. I really appreciate the time today, though. This has been really good. You know, I'm such a fan of marketing that I, I believe regardless of where you are, you need some level of this in your life. If you want to take your business to the next level, organic will only take you so far. I think most people believe, well, I can be a TikTok star, a LinkedIn mm -hmm. star, whatever, and it'll <laughs> just take off. But they don't realize how many millions of people are on those platforms and how few are mega stars, mega successful. The average person is not going to be that. The other part of that equation is it takes time to become a mega star. A lot of times on one of those apps, it takes time just to even get a small audience growing. And that time may be six months. It may be a year, but it may be nine years. It just depends on what you're doing and how consistent you are and all those kind of things. So I'm a big fan of organic plus some sort of paid type of advertising having some mix in there. I think it's a really good way to go. Thank you for coming on today and talking about all this. I think it's a really valuable topic. There's no way we could even get more than surface level on it. As always, I have Connor's info on the website. If anybody wants to chat with him or their team, by all means, reach out. They'd love to chat with you and learn more about how they can help your business. Connor, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast and screenshot it and tag me on LinkedIn or whatever social media you use. So thank you again for joining us today and we'll see you next time.